The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. You turn your Bibles to Luke 8. We're going to be in Luke 8, uh, and we're going to be talking about this really well-known uh, parable. We're going to talk about what a parable is. Um, and this, uh, this is going to be uh, a, a really practical lesson. And as we work through this lesson, as we work through this passage of Scripture, uh, let me encourage you to think about there's going to be four different types of people that we're going to consider and I want you to think about which one of those people maybe most relates to you. Which one of those people most relates to you. Uh, this weekend, uh, the main teaching focus of the weekend is like relationships, uh, biblical sexuality, biblical understanding of how God created us uh, to experience sexual things and, and what God's plan and purpose for that is. But this morning, I'm not going to talk much about that um, I'll be honest with you, when I was in high school, I had no game when it came to the ladies, like zero, zero game. I, mean, I, have, I have like, I was thinking uh, this morning, uh, I was like, did I ever, I don't even think I had a girlfriend. I remember I asked this, I, I remember at, uh, in middle school at, um, I was trying to think, what was my, like my dating history? And then I realized that there wasn't one. <laughs> in middle school, there was a girl named Lee, and I thought she was very pretty, and word got out which I would not have, I don't know how word got out. I probably told like my one best friend. Y'all know how that works, right? I just told my one best friend, well, by lunchtime, me and Lee were going together. <laughs> but we still hadn't had a conversation. Um, back in the 80s, <clears throat> you would ask someone to go with you through a friend. And then they would respond through the friend. And then you would officially be a couple. Even if you hadn't had a conversation, and then and then I broke up with her by uh, fourth block, so uh, it was a very short relationship. We never got engaged or anything like that. Um, then I had, I remember I had two girl experiences in high school. Uh, one was there's this really pretty girl. I thought she was. I don't remember her name, but I remember uh, at, like I thought she's the most beautiful person that God ever made. I thought he like literally breathed her into this world. She's unbelievable. And how will I ever get her attention, you know? And I came, I came from a very sheltered family, like very sheltered home, um, poor family, low income, very, very, very low uh, socioeconomic uh, status. Nowadays, it's not a big deal. When I was growing up, like if you were on the free lunch program, it was really humiliating. And I was like that kid and, uh, and rode the school bus, you car rider kids, man, I don't know what that life must be like. You know, like you get to sleep later, get to school later. So I just kind of lived a, a, a grinded out existence. And then I fell in love in about the 11th grade with a girl whose name I didn't know. And I remember thinking I was walking into the lunchroom at school thinking I'm gonna today's the day you know today's the day and I was walking because I knew where she sat I was gonna go talk to her uh, I don't remember what I was gonna say I don't remember when my friends told me to go you, you gotta go talk to her I don't remember but I remember this is so this is so vivid in my mind I was walking into the lunchroom and it was one of those big double doors that has a um, middle divider and the two doors lock and latch, you know, and they'll open from one side. And the doors are propped open. And I walked dead center into that divider. I mean, I, I split my, right above my eye, I 
cracked my head. And I just walked right on past her to the bathroom and got that bleeding stopped, and we never had a conversation. I'm sure she's happily married to a Delta pilot or a dentist or something like that. Probably have a lot of money. A guy that don't run into telephone poles, you know what I mean? But I don't I, – I feel like a lot of times uh, guys get up, you know, you know, youth speakers. Guy, and I've been, I've been doing – student ministry for over a quarter of a century and long time ago I realized I'm not going to try to get up here and be cool and relatable to you I just want to teach you the Bible and here's what I know to be true if you will open your heart to to two powers the two greatest powers in history the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God if you will open your heart to those two powers Submit every single day, every single moment. Live as if every single moment of your life mattered. Live as if every single day of your life was a sacred gift from God. If you will do that, you will live with purpose and value and your relationships will matter and will work and you will make the decisions you need to make to live a happy and holy and fulfilled life. Just surrender to the Word of God. Just surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so the story we're going to talk about is called the parable of the soils. Now, some people call it the parable of the sower, um, and you're probably familiar with it. And we're just going to walk through this story. We're just going to walk right through this scripture, and I hope it'll be as helpful for you as it has been for me this week. Luke chapter 8, we'll start in verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, this is talking about Jesus, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, this is what Jesus did. When Jesus went anywhere, Jesus preached. Everybody say, preach. Preach. Say, preach. We got this mindset, I think, a lot of times that Jesus' main thing was to heal people and give them biscuits and stuff, you know. Everywhere Jesus went, yes, he healed people. Yes, he, he made the blind people see. He made people that couldn't walk, walk. He made dead people come back to life. That is a crazy thing for me to imagine picturing. If you ever been at a funeral, somebody you loved or somebody you didn't know, didn't, like if you've been at a funeral, I want you to imagine everybody wailing and squalling over that casket and all of a sudden some dude walks up and is like, hey, man, get out of the casket. And the dude's like, whoop, sits right up and like, what is this outfit I'm wearing? What is this box I'm sitting in? Like, Jesus did that. Like, there's literally a story right after this, right before this one, where he goes to a funeral and raised the dude out of the casket. Jesus did many incredible things. In your life, Jesus will do many incredible things if you submit to him and follow him. But Jesus, first and foremost, and supremely, and preeminently, and, and finally, and always, preached the gospel of his kingdom. He preached. And the gospel of his kingdom says this. If you repent and turn from what this world offers you and turn from your sin and confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and set your eyes on him and fix your course and chart your course to follow him all the days of your life, you will mess up, you will fall down, you will fail, you will make mistakes, but you will not live under the shame and guilt of those mistakes. You will ultimately be on a trajectory of freedom that is given to you by Christ through the gospel that he preached and in which you receive. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what sets people free. And so Jesus preached. I want you to understand that Jesus preached. Jesus healed people. Jesus gave good lessons. 
Jesus preached a gospel of repentance. It's super important for us to understand that about Jesus. Because people love to take different aspects of Jesus in his earthly ministry and grab a hold of that. We cannot distance ourselves from the message of Jesus Christ, which is a message of repentance or a turning away and turning toward him. And the 12 were with him. And also some women who have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa. That guy's got the coolest name in this whole chapter. Chusa. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, or Chusa, I don't know how to say it exactly, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now, what's important here is to recognize this is a status in a culture, you may have heard a preacher say this before, where women weren't allowed to go to school, they weren't allowed to hold public office, they didn't get to have like a voice in the public square. Jesus brought, ladies, listen, he brought women into his ministry, elevated them to a position of like, not just prominence, but where what they did mattered. And he loved these women as his disciples. And so they, they had this really cool ministry of supporting Jesus, traveling with Jesus. But also think about the diversity represented. So you got this one woman, her name's Mary Magdalene. And it said that she was possessed by a bunch of demons. I'm, I, I don't know exactly what that would look like. I try to think about this. Like, what does demon-possessed person look like? think I've seen that before. I'm pretty sure I have. Um, it's, I, I'm very confident I've seen it in a couple of third-world situations, particularly um, if you've been to Snowbird, you've probably heard me talk about this story before, but particularly in Togo, West Africa, in a, in a, in a temple to the, the, it's called the Temple of the Python, and went in there and met with the priests, and they were, it's voodoo worship, and they worship demons, and I believe those cats were totally sold their soul to Satan, man. It was crazy looking into their eyes. That one cat, his eyes had slits up and down like a snake. I ain't even exaggerating to you. I talked to this guy. His eyes looked like the eyes of a serpent. It was weird. I think that dude was, but to be honest, like I'm, I'm in my fifties and I think I've seen a couple of people demon possessed. It's not like you ain't gonna walk outside today and probably see somebody thrashing about but what I do think we see in our world is people who have yielded their lives to the prince and the power of the air, who live under the control and the power and the dominion of darkness, under the control of Satan. We're going to get into that in Jesus' teaching. But think about this. What, what I think probably looks most similar to the just this is my imagination. This is my sort of my, I think, in pictures. If you've seen people that are in the deep throes of drug addiction, I think that would maybe be a close picture of what Mary's life would have been like. I think that's probably a good correlation. We, we, we've worked with a lot of people who deal with addiction, like controlled, enslaved, bound by sin, living in the gutter of life, just broken. Then you've got this other lady in Jesus' disciple, like group of disciples, whose name is Joanna, and her husband is like the chief of staff for the governor. So you've got this, I think this is a really cool thing to think about. Jesus is Lord of the most down and broken and impoverished people, but he's the Lord of the highest, most exalted on earth people. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and all people and all principalities. And some people submit to that and some people don't, but in this you've got this 
amazing picture of diversity, this woman who's broken and possessed by demons, this woman who's affluent and well-to-do and has everything she needs, and they both surrender their life to Jesus, teaching us a really cool lesson. It don't matter where you come from. Look at me. It don't matter where you come from, where your family comes from, what your background is, what your status is, what your lot in life is, Jesus has the power to save you from sin, to keep you saved, and to bring you into his kingdom. And he's not impressed with social status. Jesus does not care if you've got a blue check verifying your Instagram account. He don't give a rip about that. He don't care. Jesus doesn't care how much money your dad makes. Jesus doesn't care what kind of car you get to drive when you turn 16. He doesn't care. What he cares about is the condition of your heart. And Mary, controlled and possessed by demons, was set free by the power of Jesus' gospel and made alive and made to walk in newness of life. And Joanna, who was the wife of one of the most prominent men in the area, surrendered her life to Jesus and was saved. It's a powerful gospel lesson. Let's keep going. So Jesus is going around preaching, and he's got this team of people, and he names these ladies, which is pretty cool. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So you got people all coming around, big crowds of people coming around. And so Jesus starts preaching again. He's, all, he's always going to pray. Everybody say, preach. We preach like when we come to church, preaching is a big deal. The preaching of the word of God is important. It's central to what the worship service is to be. So Jesus would always preach. A sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed some and as he sowed some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it so here's what um here's what it, the, the picture he's painting is back in those days they didn't have tractors they didn't have big machines for for sowing seed and they didn't plow rows so what they would do is they would throw seed out in an area let's say this let's say this building right here was one big area of soil and ground they would take seed, they would scatter it all on the ground, then they would rake it into the dirt. So picture, you go through, you cast, and they would carry it like in a bucket or a bag. Y'all maybe seen this, they'd have a big burlap bag full of seed, they'd take that seed and they'd cast it like this. Can y'all picture that? They would broadcast it like that. They'd sling the seed, it's the way I, like, like, like I picture this, they're throwing the seed out. Okay, so go through put the seed out on an area, then they'd go through and rake and scrape and kind of turn the dirt so that the seed could get into the dirt. But the seed's only going to go in a little bit. So what matters is what is the condition of the soil under the surface? That's, going, that's important to how we understand the story. So broadcast. So he said the first seed that he put out, it fell along the path. So you got, let's imagine this field or this grassy area, this, this dirt spot. It's beside a main path, and some of the seed falls out on the path. And that seed, the birds eat it. Birds come and eat that seed. Verse 6, some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So in the middle of the dirt, in the middle of the grass, there's some rock. The seed, that, yesterday I was walking through a field, a uh, big pasture, and tossed a couple of rocks out of the middle of it. Because when springtime comes around, the grass starts growing those rocks will end up getting in the way of a mower or a bush hog or something like this. So we throw those rocks out of the field. If seed landed on the rock or on just soil that was not very deep and then had rock under it, there's, some of the seed landed like that. And it grew up right at first, but then it withered away. Have you ever seen grass growing out of a sidewalk? 
You ever see that, like a crack in a sidewalk? Usually it doesn't get very big, right? Because it can only, it can only grow so much of a root. Verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So some of the seed went across the field into the edge of the woods, and there was thorns and briars and stuff like that, and it choked it out. And so that seed, um, it, it grew up, but as it grew up, the thorns and thistles grew up with it and choked it out. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. Uh, he called, and as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is an important thing that Jesus says right here. Everything Jesus says is important. But for us to understand the purpose and meaning of this story, Jesus says, if you would hear this, hear it. Now listen, to, I want to challenge every one of you this morning. I've, I've preached for a long time. 150,000 plus 160,000 students have come through Snowbird. Preached on the road at times to five, six, seven thousand teenagers in a room. And I have watched and looked into the eyes of teenagers who sit looking at me, but their minds are closed and their hearts are closed. They don't care what I got to say. They don't care what God's got to say. And my pleading with you this morning would be, open your heart and your mind for the rest of this weekend. Open your heart and your mind to the Word of God. Open your heart and your mind to the preaching of God's Word. I've seen students so often sit there, and it doesn't offend me if kids don't care what i got to say. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't change my life as I walk out the door. But it gives me a burden and heaviness of heart because I know what life is going to come at you with next year and five years down the road and ten years down the road. And apart from Jesus, you cannot make it through this world and through this life on your own. This world will consume you, will devour you. And as a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 17, 18-year-old, to sit and harden your heart and close your ears and, 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 and refuse to listen and hear the voice of the Lord, you're putting yourself in a situation where you've got to now tackle the same issues of life that the believer has to tackle. We live in a fallen and broken world. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you all something, but how you receive this matters based on are you willing to listen? Would you open your heart? Would you open your mind? Would you have ears to hear this? It's a saying. It's a phrase that he uses. Would you have ears to hear this? Would you listen for the next few minutes, the last 10 minutes of our time? Would you listen to what God would say to you this morning? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, and he's going to give He's going to give two purposes to why he told this story. He's going to describe to us the purpose of a parable. A parable is an illustrative story, by the way. He said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So he's speaking to his believers, his followers. He's speaking to Christians. So listen, if you're sitting here and you're a Christ follower, if you're sitting here and you're a Christian, what he would say to you is this. I tell you this parable so you can learn more about me. So you can understand more about the Christian life. So you can grow as a man or a woman in, in faith. You could be a, a, like a pastor, a mom, a dad. You could be a 
high school teacher, a coach, you could be a seventh grade student, all of us in this building, in this room right now, if we have Christ in our hearts, he wants to teach us about himself. He wants us to understand the deeper truths of the kingdom of God. He wants to grow us through the hearing and teaching of his word. One of the lies that the world's going to tell you, one of the lies that the devil's going to tell you is the Bible's too hard for you to understand. It's like, don't, like, no, that's a lie, y'all. God has given us his word to reveal to us things about himself. And Jesus says, these parables help you take the big, deep truths of Scripture and break them down where you can understand them. It's so simple. I did this story with my children as they've grown up. I do this story because it's so simple. It's complex, it's layered, but it's simple. Do you have ears to hear and a heart to receive? And if you're a child of God, God's given us this story so we can understand more about it. But here's what's scary. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not understand and hearing they may not understand. So he says, there are these secrets that the Bible, if you translate that word exactly from the original language, the word is mystery mystery do y'all like mystery do you enjoy mystery do you enjoy mysterious movies and television programs i remember was it last year the the final season i don't think it's the final season but that last season of uh the 80s uh, stranger stranger things i remember my, i remember that like kids around like around the ministry here were like just hooked on that thing binging it and i'm like what's it all about and i watched the first season and it's like what's well, mysterious what's going on we love mystery we enjoy that some of y'all, your mama listened to true crime podcast. Mystery. Who done it? Who's guilty? We like mystery. He's saying there are mysteries that the human mind cannot understand. Do you know that there are mysteries that God possesses that you cannot understand unless he opens your mind and your heart to understand them? Unless he reveals to you things about himself. He's like, this parable is being told so that for those of you who are believers, more mystery would be revealed. But for those of you who have hard hearts, it would actually be the opposite. You would not understand the Christian faith. You would not understand the gospel. Now, that's scary because what that tells us is that sitting here this morning, if your heart is hard and your mind is closed, you're not going to be moved by the hearing of the Word of God. Your responsibility, young man, your responsibility, young lady, in this worship service is to open your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit of God, to open your heart and your mind to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is proclaim, preach, teach, and explain the Word of God. Your responsibility is how you receive that. And he said, if you have a heart to hear it and you're a believer, God will reveal more of himself to you than you could ever imagine. But if your heart is hard and your mind is closed, he'll keep it that way and he'll lock you up in that hardness. It's literally a form of divine judgment. Sometimes people are like, no, I don't want to listen. No, I don't want to follow Jesus. And God's like, okay, that's fine. That's scary to think about so then he's going to explain the parable and that's how we'll end now the parable is this the seed that gets scattered is the word of God so the seed that's being thrown in the story is is it represents the word of God it represents the scripture so the, so this is the word of God is sown and then we fit into one of these four categories 
The soil is your heart and mind, my heart and mind. So he says, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the first category of people, they hear the gospel. Maybe this weekend, they hear the gospel. But they don't listen. They don't care because they love the world and what the world offers them. They walk out the door unchanged, unmoved, heart set, mindset on the world and all that it offers. John writes his first letter about this, and he's like, man, some people love the world and the lust of the world and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes draws you away from Christ. This morning, don't be that person. Open your heart. This morning, don't be that person. Surrender your mind, your heart, and your will to the Lord. Second person, he says, those on the rock are those who hear those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while. In time of testing, they fall away. This is like, this is me when I was in the seventh grade and the original Karate Kid movie came out. Y'all remember that? I signed up for karate lessons at the YMCA in Canton, North Carolina. I was going to be the next Karate Kid, don't you know? Cobra Kai would have been a series written and made about me if I had followed my dream. I also had a dream to be an NFL quarterback, a NASCAR racer, a fighter pilot. I just chose a different path. You know, like you've got options in life, you know. <laughs> None of those worked out, but that's another story. I was going to be the karate kid. Went to the YMCA. And my buddy Jeff Rogers was there. And me and him, they put us in the little headgear and boxing gloves. He beat my brains out for about three minutes. I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do karate. <laughs> See, I got excited about it when I saw Ralph Macho talking <laughs> And then when they were yelling, put him in a body bag at the YMCA in Canton, I was like, I'm out. I'm going to go back to Little League Baseball and <laughs> try that. I wasn't even good at that, but at least ain't nobody hit me in the face. See, like he said, that second seed, it, like, it takes a little bit of root. You, these are people who get emotionally excited, man. I see it at camp all the time. They're worshiping. Sometimes they're jumping up and down. They're, whoa, like, like so excited. There's this emotional experience. You're fired up about Jesus. And five days after they leave camp, they're gone. Back to the world. It was a momentary emotional experience. That within 72 hours or 72 days gets overwhelmed by a momentary affliction that pulls them away. The world is too much. Don't be that person. Well, what's the distinctive of that person? They don't have, they don't have the soul of their hearts is not deep receiving. Last night we saw a verse from Colossians that said, be rooted and built up. There's no root system going out into the soul of their heart. So initially, they, ah, that sounds good. I like this experience. It's going, and they're gone. The next person, the third person, verse 14, as for that, what fell, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Very similar to the second one. This one hears it, gets excited about it because it fell on some soil. And in that one, the thorns choked it out. These are people that probably takes them a little bit long. They're impulsive and emotional. But then eventually, that, the second one that falls in the rocky soil, they're impulsive, emotional, excited, let's go. And then, boom, they're ADD with their, you know, with their life. They're like, on to the next thing. But this person, like, they get serious about it. 
They walk with Jesus for a season. One thing that's broken my heart is seeing brothers and sisters who we co-labored with for five years, 10 years, 20 years, drift away, turn away, walk away. Now, I want to tell you something that I would, I would stake my life on it is this. If Jesus saves you, he will keep you, and you will never fall completely away. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the Scripture teaches that. I believe it's defended by Scripture. We call that the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. We call it eternal security. If you are saved, then you ain't, you ain't losing it. But I'll tell you this. A lot of people cheapen that doctrine by living however they want to live. And I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. There are seasons where believers walk away. We would call this backsliding or a season of rebellion. And it can be heavy and it can be intense and it can look disastrous. But someone who turns away and walks away and never comes back, the Scripture would say, they, they went out from us because they were never of us. They had a semblance. It looked like Christianity, but it wasn't. I mean, 1,500 staff get trained and run through a snowbird staff. Several hundred of them are now no longer walking with Jesus. What happened, man? We were in the trenches. We prayed over students. We wept over students. What happened? The cares and thorns and difficulties of this world choked that seed out because it never had the root system in the soil of those hearts that the Holy Spirit was doing the work and the heart was being opened. Now, this can be scary because it's like, well, then how do I know? I'm going to give you some encouragement because you can know. Your salvation doesn't rest on your profession of faith. It rests on your possession of faith. In other words, it's not based on what did you say, what card did you sign, what prayer did you repeat. It's based on did you open your heart? Would you open your heart to Jesus and receive what he has for you in the gospel. If you do, he's the one that's doing that work. Jesus is the one that does the work. Faith is a gift from God. It's not of my works. Faith is a gift that God gives me. If someone can lose, if if someone could lose it, they never had it. And if someone has it, they will never lose it. Salvation is a secure gift because it is a gift from God. What kind of daddy would I be if I took away the most precious treasures that I would give to my children? That's an abusive, emotionally destructive thing. But there's a whole lot of people in that third category that, that take root, seem to take root, begin to bear fruit, and they begin to drift. And it's a slower process because here's what, here's what drifting always leads to. Doubting. And when people begin to doubt, that's where we'll find out if the root's real or not. Because a lot of people struggle with doubt. I'm going to tell you this. If you doubt your salvation, that's probably something that's good because it's proving you. It's forcing you to wrestle with hard truth. Don't be scared of doubt. Wrestle with it. Hit it head on. And work through it, and God will reveal himself to you. And lastly, as, as, as for those in the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Here's the hope, and I believe this is the majority of us in here. The good soul is the soul that says, I'm going to hear what God's saying. I'm going to open my heart. Open my heart. I'm going to hold it fast. 
I'm going to be honest with myself, honest about my struggles, honest about my weaknesses, honest about the difficulties and my doubts and my fears and my anxieties, honest about my guilt and shame because I have given myself away sexually, honest about my addictions because I am under the throes of sexual addiction, honest with my friends and my brothers and my sisters and my student pastor, my student pastor's wife. I'm going to be honest and real with God. I'm not going to live a Christianity that's a mirage, that's just fake, that's just emotional, that's just exterior. I'm going to live a Christianity that goes into the root of the soul of my heart, and I'm going to open my heart to God and recognize I have possession of faith because he put it in me. And he says, a good heart, and it's going to bear fruit with patience. Why does patience matter? Life is short, but life is real long when you're out of the will of God. Just be patient, man. Just be patient. Walk with Jesus. Chart a course. Set out one foot in front of the other every day. There's going to be days you fall. There's going to be days you fail. There's going to be days where there's a pruning that takes place. When it comes to fruit being born, you've got to prune the bad limbs back. You've got an apple tree that's going to produce fruit, but the apples will be, we've got apple trees, and they'll be teeny tiny little apples unless you go in and cut away all the dead stuff and get the nutrients to the fruit. Be patient, and in your Christian life, just daily walk with God, daily walk with Jesus. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit of God and let the soul of your heart grow deep roots through what is the seed? The Word of God. People are like, all you ever do is just say, read the Bible. No, 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 don't just read the Bible. Submit to the living Word of God for life and godliness and victory over sin and believe that this is living and active and that the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of God will stand forever forever surrender to the word of God and let the root of scripture go down into the soil of your heart that is open before the Lord a good heart an honest heart a humble heart that says God take me here I am Lord take me use me change me and your conversion will be real and the doubts and cares and temptations and darknesses of this world will come and they'll go and you will stand firm like a tree that is planted by the water that brings forth its fruit in its season you will be fruit bearers you bear good fruit Nastiest fruit I ever tasted was some mess called durian fruit. Since some of y'all might have had that. And little came home from Thailand. She said, I got some fruit, this fruity candy. It's like taffy. Y'all like taffy? I love taffy. Taffy's so good. I love taffy. I love laffy taffy. I love saltwater taffy. She said, I got some. She played a trick on me. It tasted like somebody had wrung trash juice out of a trash can into an ice tray and then froze it the way you make little popsicles and then let it loosen up a little bit and then wrapped it and say here's some candy but it was so fun we gave it to about 20 people till we didn't have no more hey try this good candy from thailand people be like like they smell it and eat it that's some nasty fruit you ever you ever smell or taste rotten fruit you ever eat a banana and you and that sucker unturned brown it's nasty. He's like, no, man, you're going to produce good fruit. Surrender to Jesus, and the fruit of your life will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and against these, there is no law. You will live victoriously. Let's pray. The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message.